0: Sharp, pointed and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: The investigation into the investigators is now underway. Uh, this day couldn't have gotten here soon enough. Uh, I agree. But uh, it, it certainly feels good uh, to consider the prospect of justice actually being done and for these uh, politically corrupt. Uh, officials of both justice and the FBI and intelligence com- uh, community as well, yep. it now appears. It, it feels pretty good to just see the beginning of it.
2: And now,
0: Stacy Washington.
2: Welcome to the program. We are live and direct to you from American Family Radio, and urban family talk. Thanks for making your home with us. And thanks also for uh, All the people who have so far gone onto the Facebook page and ordered a T-shirt. If you asked and said, "Hey, I want a T-shirt. I want to be able to purchase a T-shirt that says Stacey on the right." Well, guess what? Now you can in every size imaginable, and uh, it's a great quality T-shirt. I've ordered from Teespring before myself. In fact, the hoodie is now on its way to us uh, because my daughter said, "Hey, Mom, I only have a T-shirt. How's that fair?" And you know how it is when the kids start talking about fairness? Well, I got gotcha. you. You got to do something. So, uh we're we're ordering from there as well. Um please check it out. You can find the link on my Facebook page or you can go to teespring.com and just type in Stacy on the right and it'll come up for you. And you can purchase a t-shirt for or a telephone case or I know this is this is like kind of crazy, but a uh, sleeveless shirt and um Like a ton of different stuff. There's there's like a whole option for you, even a mug, um, a little bit different from the mug we've been selling online on the website, but it is there. So check it out. Um, I think you're gonna love it, and let me know what you think. Uh, You can post comments on there as well. So, uh, Teespring.com, type in Stacey on the right. All right, today on the program we have some really great guests. We're gonna be moving pretty quickly through the show, um, with the number of people that we have coming on today. First off, we're going to have Rob Chambers. He is the vice president of AFA Action. He's going to join us to talk about, yes, the uh, Equality Act. And if you already know how you feel about it and you're opposed to it, the Tyranny Act, as as we've nicknamed it here, then please do call your legislator at 202-225-3121. 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121, that's the switchboard. Tell them you want to speak to your legislator, what state you live in. Um, they'll tell you your congressperson and your senator. They'll actually directly connect you to them, or you can get the number from them so you can call repeatedly if you're having trouble getting through. We need to burn the lines down on this one. This is a this is a call out. This is where we ask you to join with us to get a little something done uh, down in D.C. to manage these elected officials. So 202-225-3121. And then directly after that, we're going to chat with Cassie Smedley. She's an RNC national spokesperson and my girl. She's going to come on and talk to us about the president's immigration plan, which he has just outlined. I literally was listening to it right before I came into the little home studio here to uh, do the program. So fantastic ideas on the part of the president. The, this, is, this is what we brought him to Washington, D.C. for, right? Um, a lot of these things that he's talking about doing, the ending of the chain migration, all that good stuff. It's a benefit to Americans. But he says, we'll actually have more lawful immigrants coming in because they'll be the ones we want, the ones with the job skills, the ones who maybe they went to college here or they came here on a visa to work and they now have a a job, their family is in place, they're a part of a community. But then if they don't have any family already here, they can't stay. So ending this chain migration and families dive bombing in here and bringing in the people we want like so many other countries do. They bring in the people they want to fill the skills they need. They don't bring in people just based solely upon if you have family members here. And that's not harsh. That's just the way it's supposed to be. So we'll be dive- diving into, uh, we also have Kelsey Grammer surprising Christian Amanpour with his conservative viewpoints. This, you just will giggle so hard at this audio. It was so funny. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about the secret memorandums And Representative Jim Jordan, he said he wants those released to the public. So we're going to be talking about those as well. Uh, So right now, oh, and of course, title of the show, Missouri passes the heartbeat bill. So so so-called reproductive rights are trending on Twitter. We're going to talk about that as well. Right now, let's get into a little bit of this U.S. attorney audio. He says we need more physical barriers at the southern border. It's number three.
3: We have so many families flooding across the border, all over the southern border, that it's pulling Border Patrol resources out of the field to take care of these families. And, you know, that's a humanitarian imperative. We have to take care of the families. We have to take care of these little babies. But what that means is that there's fewer people in the field to actually interdict drug traffickers, gang members, all sorts of violent criminals that can now come into the country more easily. It's a huge, huge problem, and people aren't paying enough attention to it. It would be hugely helpful to have a more expeditious process um, for processing these asylum claims. Right now, only 13 percent of the people that show up at the border and claim asylum actually win that claim at the end of the day. But because we have an eight or 900,000 case backlog, just making the claim almost guarantees you the opportunity to live and work in the United States outside of detention for years. That is what we call the pull factor. That is what is driving people to come to the border, cross it illegally, and make an asylum claim right. because they know even if the claim has no merit, they can be here for years. And that's the problem at the core of our immigration system right now. And Lou, just, just sure. to be very clear, who, you know who that hurts the most? It's legitimate asylum seekers because now they have to wait for years right. um, until they can get certainty that they can stay here.
2: So that's uh, some really logical Like uh, all of the things that are being said right now about immigration on the part of the Trump administration and so-called immigration hawks make a lot of sense. It just makes sense to have borders. It just makes sense to make sure that our our people who work for Immigration and Customs Enforcement and uh, Customs and Border Patrol and the Department of Homeland Security, that they're there to do a job uh, not to babysit or change diapers or, you know, corral families into huge holding pens. The humanitarian crisis at the southern border makes our country look as if it's a um, like a third world place. It makes and, and we are not a third world country. We, we, obviously, we have San Francisco and a, a number of other really huge cities that have huge homeless populations and homeless problems. And that is a shame. Um, but that's due to Democratic leadership. It's not due to the fact that we are a third world country. But the situation at the southern border looks like something out of a third world country. And people are using it to their advantage to get into this country, to take advantage of of not just our resources, but the kindness and generosity of Americans. Because a lot of church organizations are helping out of the the kindness of their hearts and what they feel is a biblical mandate, when really it's an invasion. And and an invasion can be women and children. Yes, it can. If they're entering illegally for the purpose of economic migration – to join family members, et cetera, against our current outstanding uh, immigration laws, and that's what it is. Now, ICE agents are using drunken driving records to actually bust illegal immigrants, and they netted a haul of 141 just recently. So ICE agents are using fingerprints from drunken driving arrests, and in doing so, they swept up 141 illegal immigrants in New England in the past few weeks, including a Kenyan national living in Lowell, with pending rape, robbery, and strangulation charges. So, obviously, he came from Kenya to here and we haven't been able to keep an eye on him and look at what he's been up to. He hasn't been working. He hasn't been doing his best. This is what the president was talking about when he said these countries aren't sending their best. Others netted in Operation Secure Streets, which is what the sting has been called, included a Honduran living in South Boston accused of selling cocaine, A Ukrainian caught in Cambridge with two previous drunk driving convictions, all 104 or 141 of them, 104 of which were nabbed in Massachusetts alone, they're all being deported. A total of 1,191 illegal aliens were caught nationwide in the OUI sweep, meaning Massachusetts counts for one in 12 of the arrests. Wow. So Massachusetts has a real problem, don't they? These people were being overlooked, and this is according to Todd Michael Lyons, the deputy field director for U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement in Boston. He says that driving under the influence is a dangerous threat regardless of what country the offender is from. It's even more disturbing crime when it's committed by someone who has no legal right to be in the country. So in other words, in case you hadn't noticed, we have enough Americans drunk driving without having illegal aliens here doing it too. And when you talk to parents and family members of those who've been killed in drunk driving accidents, it's so heartbreaking. In fact, sometimes you can't talk to the parents or the children because whole families are destroyed by drunk drivers. I'll never forget a few years back. There was a drunk driving case here in St. Louis, and it was a mom and all four of the kids, and they're driving along, and a drunk driver, he hit them so hard, he knocked them off of uh, kind of, you know, that when the road splits off and you want to take the off-ramp to go to another part of the highway, they actually went off of that, over the the median and off of that, and all five of them were killed. So guess who was left? The husband. He was at work. He lost his wife and all four of their children to a drunk-driving, quote-unquote, accident. Which, by the way, is it an accident if you drive drunk and... You like it's not like you accidentally fell into the car or you accidentally got drunk. You got drunk. You got behind a car, the wheel of a car intentionally and you drove and then you have an accident because you're not intentionally hitting anybody. But the circumstances surrounding the accident that you have are hardly accidental. I'll, I'll get off on a tangent here. I'm not saying that that accident was due to an illegal alien. They never really reported much on, you know, the legal status of the person. So I assume they were an American citizen, but the point is we have enough of that going on without bringing people here who don't belong here. And if you're in the country illegally, you don't belong here. You belong here. Once you've actually gone through our immigration system. So, uh, Lyons used said ice used fingerprints to run through the FBI's crime database following drunken driving arrests all over the region. They went to last known addresses to track down the suspects. This is a similar uh, approach that was used last year in operation law and order when 50 illegal aliens suspected of being drug dealers were caught in raids in East Boston, Dorchester, Lawrence, Worcester area, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, and Connecticut. This time ice agents scrubbed the cases from all over new England after police and courts released the suspects. You heard me in New England. When they, when the police and court systems realized that some of the people in their custody were being looked at for deportation by ice, they released them. So imagine you've committed a crime. You're in the country illegally and some ne'er do well, a policeman, a court employee, whatever says, Oh no, no, I see uh that ICE is is flagged this this uh suspect. They're planning on coming down here to the courthouse or the county jail or what have you. They're coming down the lockup to get this person. The person's locked up for committing a crime. I you know, so here's how I could see this working. If if liberalism made any sense, if that ideology made any sense, it would be that the person had late library books, because I'm totally guilty of that. I always have late library books. Um I forget how many I have here, and then we turn some of them in and then I get a little note. I'm like, oh, I, have, I still have some here and then I have to go dig them up. Because after I read them, instead of putting them downstairs in the mudroom so that they can be taken back to the library, I'm one of the worst culprits at our house. Worse than the kids. I just leave the book wherever I'm done using it or it's in a stack with books that we actually own. And so it'll just be there. And I'm like, I can't find that book. And then later I'll be like, oh, I better put these books away and then I'll find a magazine or a library book. So let's say it's that. You got somebody and they've, got a library book out and you see in the computer that Immigration and Customs Enforcement is going to take this bookworm and haul them away. They're here illegally, but their only, their only crime is that they have late library books. Maybe they have a bunch of them. So now they own 90 bucks in library fines. Ooh, true story. Okay. Anyway, maybe if that was happening and the <laughs> police officers and librarians were saying, we don't want, um, We don't want people who just are heavy duty readers and happen to be the country illegally deported just because they've been flagged because they have late library books or, you know, parking tickets. Like, can you imagine if someone had, you know, maybe $100 in parking tickets and ICE was like, we're going to deport them. We're going to prioritize the deportation of this person over, you know, someone who is a rapist and a murderer. Wouldn't there be a hue and an outcry because the resources would be basically being allocated incorrectly, Right. That is what liberals really feel. You're in jail because you've been accused of rape or kidnapping or assault or drug dealing. And they feel that's the same as, you know, me over here with my, you know, $90 in fines for overdue books and magazines from the library. Only that's not what it is. There are people out there recovering from being raped, people out there dead and the morgue, decapitated, and the people who did it get released because some do-good or liberal doesn't want him to get deported. When we get back, we'll have Rob Chambers. I'm Stacey Washington.
1: The Ministry of Preborn meets abortion-minded women right where they are. When a young mom sees her baby on ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to keep her baby.
4: And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry, and it was certain that I was gonna keep my baby forever
1: this mom chose life for her baby.
4: She's been such a joy. Her name even means rebirth and sort of being raised up from the ashes. Uh, I now see my daughter and I cannot imagine my life without my happy, lovely, joyful, smart baby. And I'm so grateful.
1: Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life.
0: Hi, I'm Crawford LaRitz with a legacy moment. The other day I heard of a young couple whose infant son had a serious condition involving his intestines and other problems. Surgery was going to be extremely dangerous, but if they didn't do the surgery, death was certain. So this young couple said, All we can do was place our little sick baby in God's hands. Well, God answered their prayers, and the surgery was successful. There are times in which everything is out of our control, and we're in God's hands. David experienced that in 2 Samuel 15, verses 24 through 27. His son Absalom was out to get him, so Jerusalem was in the rearview mirror of David's chariot, so to speak. Listen to these words. Now behold, Zadok also came, and all the Levites with him, carrying the ark of the covenant of God. And the king said to Zadok, Return the ark of the God to the city. If I find favor in the sight of the Lord, then he will bring me back again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he should say thus, I have no delight in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. I want to list just three implications from this instance in David's life. Number one, do what is right, no matter what. For David, that meant the ark belongs back in Jerusalem. No matter what, do what's right. Number two, don't try to manipulate God's will. Don't try to manipulate God. Instead, surrender to whatever he wants. Then number three, rest in the realization that he will do what is best. Here's what I want you to remember today. God sometimes takes things out of our hands to teach us that his hands alone are on the controls. Stand back and let God do his job. Crawford Loritz
1: is Senior Pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. For more information
0: go to livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: Welcome back to the program. Thanks for, so much for being here. Um, definitely check out the content at onenewsnow.com. We have wonderful stories, news, and information over there for you. Uh, check it out, onenewsnow.com. All right, I want to get into the encouragement. This is this is important for us. Um, and today's encouragement is Proverbs 3, 6. I'm going to start in verse 5, though. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, fearing the Lord, because I I saw somebody uh, tweeted out the other day, I'd much rather uh, be loved than feared. And I know God feels the same way. And I'm like, oh, so, so sad. So this isn't about us as humans trying to figure out how God feels, or trying to make him fit into our own feeling box or what we think is appropriate. Of course, we'd rather be loved than feared. Uh, you know, fear, fearing adults when, whatever the relationship you're in with them, fearing them is an indication that there's something possibly wrong going on. But the word fear in this instance is not fear as in, you know, mortally afraid of. It's a form of respect that indicates that you understand the dynamic of the relationship. And as God is our father in heaven, fear of the Lord is the key to wisdom. It's the opening. It's the, first you fear the Lord and then you can walk in wisdom and learn more and grow. That is, that's, that's the key right there. So when we fear him, we love him. When we fear him, we obey him. We want to please him. We want to seek to do things that would glorify him. And we want to put down our flesh and be able to grow in that, in, in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Father in heaven and the roles of the triune God. That, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're thirsting for. Um, so be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We're not to be afraid, as in afraid of our circumstances. And yes, the fear is going to creep in. But it doesn't mean that we're afraid as in, well, I don't know what's going to happen here. No, we don't. We don't ever know what's going to happen. That is the nature of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, that he knows what's going to happen. He's ordering our steps. He's solving our problems before we even know we have them. He's in control. And so there's so much comfort in that, so much comfort. So I'll leave you with this. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And wisdom casts out doubt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, All right, all right, all right. So that's awesome. That's the encouragement for today. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program. We have um, Rob Chambers. He's the vice president of AFA Action. Thank you, Rob, for joining us.
5: Hey, thanks, Stacey.
2: So let's talk about this. We So here on the program, we have been covering the Equality Act. I've had a number of guests on. And so when I got the alert this morning from Jim Stanley, the GM of American Family Radio, I thought, OK, this is perfect. Hopefully Rob will be able to join us. And so thank you for your time today. Um, this is a hugely impactful bill that has a very nice sounding name. It sounds like if I was to come to you and say, hey, Rob, I have some Rice Krispie Treats without telling you that they're laced with fentanyl, you'd be like, "Ooh, Rice Krispie Treats. Thanks, Stace. And if they were laced with fentanyl, you'd be dead after that. That's what this would do to our religious liberty. Absolutely,
5: Stacey. I think what what the Democrats have uh, traditionally do, they do a good job of of what we call bait and switch, you know, they, they present present something really really good in, in one way, but they turn around and uh, and they really conceal uh, what the bill is really about. This bill is nothing about equality. What this bill does is basically take a it's a wielding a wrecking ball against religious liberty. What was what's fundamental to uh, the establishment of our country, Stacy. And so what they're going to do is uh, vote on this bill uh, tomorrow morning. I understand about 10:30 in the morning uh, Eastern time. And uh, we're expected to see Democrats vote for this uh, and pass this. But, but one thing I'm, we're concerned about is is how many people, uh, how many uh, Republican uh, congressmen, representatives are going to vote for this.
2: So why would any Republican vote for something that cancels out RIFRA? I mean, in, in, the, in the info sheet that I've read, I've read a few articles as well. There's one at the Daily Signal. I mean, if you look across the conservative, uh, you know, Internet space, there's a lot of people who are saying, hey, hey, you know, stop what you're doing other things are important, but this is a real problem for us. Why would any Republican vote for something like this?
5: Well, Stacey and listeners, what, what's happening is, is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is really pushing this bill. They, they are endorsing it, or supporting it, rather. And uh, and so, when you have a lot of money pushing something, then then the people who benefit from uh, campaign contributions tend to turn around and do the bidding of, of who, they get, who they're getting the money from. Uh, so, so we see companies like Target. Target supports this. They, Target has, you know, the, the, uh, the failed, flawed, destructive bathroom policy who, you know, allowing men who think they're women in the women's restroom and dressing rooms. But back to your question, why, why would they be doing this? I, I really, it, it, it boils down to uh, Republicans would be tempted to, to do the bidding of those who, get they, who they get their campaign contributions from.
2: But this is one of those ones where I'm not overstating it, Rob, or, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, This is one of those ones where you really open the door to every evil piece of legislation that Republicans far and wide, from the very best solid Republicans to the wishy-washy weak-kneed rhinos, every one of them has agreed that the the different components of this bill are not just detrimental to um, American freedom, but religious liberty and people who practice their faith, whether you're a Christian and you've never told anybody this bill finds a way to get at you, or if you're a person of business and, and maybe you're a Chick-fil-A franchisee and you have to deal with the LGBT protesters and all that, the, everyone is within the crosshairs.
5: Oh, they really are. Yeah, Everyone. No one would be immune to it. I mean, any place of public accommodation, uh, say for a restroom, for example, wherever you go, a theme park, a uh sporting event, an amusement park, any any place where you go where there's a public restroom, then these restrooms, according to the uh, Equality Act, those public restrooms would now, if they are women's restrooms, they would be open to men to enter those restrooms. So let's take for example uh, male sexual predators, for example, uh, the, this is just going to be a license or a open uh, open season for them uh, for. You know to to violate potentially uh, women and young girls in these restrooms, and we've we've already seen at least ten examples of these types of uh, events, uh, unfortunate, tragic events uh happen in target. So it's going to happen. It's not if but when. Hmm.
2: So there are a few things that are like specific details about this this bill. Um can you give us a few like the 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 rundown you you've already sure. told us about the the bathrooms the public accommodations locker rooms any place where you swim in public or change clothes in public water parks where you have you have to change clothes places where right. you need a private place to change your clothes and women usually have the children and the women and the children change clothes so these are very vulnerable situations um, and, and this happens across the country, whether you're in California, where owning a gun for concealed carry is almost impossible, to being here in Missouri, where you can actually wear your gun, open carry on your bathing suit if you want to in some municipalities. From, ev- from hither to yon, women and children would be placed in these very, very sensitive, vulnerable situations, access to men, men with the men body parts, not women who think they're men, but the the, the whole gamut.
5: Right. Well, another thing to add to all of that is is basically it will demote women to second class citizens, Stacey. So... Uh, Take, for example, a a young girl who is in high school and she's wanting to get a college scholarship, uh, an athletic scholarship. So she's wanting to compete and do well. And so but according to this uh, Equality Act, so-called Equality Act, I call it the Tyranny Act, as a matter of fact. But anyway, according to the Tyranny Act, basically the government will uh, allow men who think they're um, women to run in these uh, track meets, for example. And so you have a young girl uh, trying to get a, co- a college scholarship at a you know sports scholar- scholarship and she has to race against men okay all right so here here we have a real example of a 16 year old girl and and this this happened to her uh, Selena Sewell 16 year old female triathlete athlete from Glastonbury Connecticut uh, she saw her uh, potential for a scholarship basically disappear because uh, in that same heat uh, track event, Two transgender uh, people, uh, men claiming to be women, were in that uh, competition and basically bumped her out of the uh, possibility to uh, race at a future uh, event before college uh, coaches where she could potentially get a scholarship. So here you have a real-life example of of this failed-type policy implemented into law, how it's going to be a train wreck uh, for women. I mean, the women... Uh, have fought for things like uh, for voting, uh, a lot of different things. And now, basically, women are being demoted. Men are taking their place.
2: Now, isn't this what the feminists told us they had to stop? That This is what feminists said, you know, women need their own sports. Back, I'm talking 40, 50 years ago, whenever Title IX was a thing. Right. And back when feminists were really more concerned with getting access for women to things that they didn't currently have access to. And one of those things was K through 12 sports that were taxpayer funded in public schools. And then at the collegiate level to have the uh, availability of the money that was being spent on the sports program to have some of it dedicated to women's sports as well, so that girls could have scholarships for sports to go to college as well as boys. So that has all been accomplished. And Rob, you know, God bless the, the students who actually are able to, achieve at that level mm-hmm. and they get those scholarships. But what you're saying is, because men are always going to beat women in, in contests that are, are physical. The only way that women will be able to get scholarships is through academics or artist, artistic pursuits or ROTC, you know, military, that type of stuff. They will not be able to get scholarships through athletics because men will always be faster, stronger, better, wrestle harder, whatever, than women will.
5: As a rule, yes. As a As a rule, I believe that will that will certainly be the case. And 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 for the life of me, why why Democrats and even some Republicans uh, uh, would want to vote for this, I have it is just beyond reason. Why they would want to create such a train wreck for our society, for our young children, even.
2: So, do we know which Republicans are more likely in the House to vote for this?
5: Uh, I do not know. I've I've been told that there are a handful of of. Uh, Republicans that are going to vote for this there are three uh, Republican co-sponsors onto this piece of legislation uh, I don't have those uh, names uh, before me you may have those on the uh, before you but there's I think there's one in in Pennsylvania and okay. uh, but there's there's three Republicans and I, I'm told that there, there could be a you know a fairly significant uh, number of Republicans voting uh, with Democrats on this
2: okay so what I'll do is I will on the next break I'll look that up and um, try to get just, just to share the names of those three Republican co-sponsors. And so is it that these three Republicans have been duped or I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why a Republican, which the Republican party platform actually has religious freedom in it. I always recommend to people, Rob, that they read the party platform and you can find it online in a PDF. You can print it off and read it or kind of, you know, view it as one of those, um, like, you know, take a, take a couple pages at a time. But it's not that lengthy. It's not like you; it's a Thomas Sowell book. You can actually sit down and read it in one sitting. And then you get the Democratic one and read that one. And then if you've read those, you know that one party is actually devoted to, so much so that they put in their platform, mm-hmm. religious freedom. And that's the mm-hmm. Republicans. So how can a Republican co-sponsor a bill that would effectively... Nullify the Religious Freedom Act, which we fought hard for.
5: Well, what people have to understand is, is in the House, there is what, what has been called, traditionally called, an uh, infor- informal group called the Tuesday group. It's been, uh, it's, it's uh, basically f- established by uh, self-proclaimed uh, moderate and liberal Republicans. They don't, uh, they would probably be uh, fiscal, somewhat fiscal conservatives, but they're uh, more socially liberal or moderate. And so that group was uh, founded several years ago, and there's as many as, has been as many as 40 or 50 members of the Tuesday group in in uh, in the uh, House of Representatives. And those, I just looked these uh, members up, that these are the Republicans that have co-sponsored uh, the uh, Tyranny Act, uh, also goes by the Equality Act, That's uh, Representative uh, Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania, District uh, 1. It's also uh, Representative John Katko from uh, New York, District 24, Republican. Another Republican is uh, Jennifer uh, Gonzalez Colon from uh, uh, Puerto Rico. She's a representative uh, at large. So there's three uh, Republicans there that have signed on to this piece of legislation. And and, and again, I understand there there are more uh, in the wings waiting to vote for it
2: okay so hey, hey, i like to, that's pretty depressing I'd
5: like to have yeah. one more Here's another thing that's interesting um i say interesting tragic is that let's let's take for example a pediatrician so mm-hmm. if a if a child is wanting to you know we're not talking about infants we're talking about young children uh a doctor uh, uh Let's see, uh, pediatricians, basically you have a, stu- uh, a, a, a child who wants to have these hormone treatments, and they go to the doctor and they ask the doctor, can I have these hormone treatments? Well, this pediatrician says, no, that's not my, uh, that violates my beliefs. Um, I believe that actually is going to cause you harm, and um, I took the Hippocratic Oath. I'm not going to do anything that would cause harm to my patient. So then as a result of the Equality Act, the Equality Act would force that pediatrician to provide uh, most likely uh hormone treatment to uh, this child now, and the parents wouldn't have any could, would not have any recourse either so here you have uh, another train wreck
2: so you 're saying like a seven or eight year old child which we don 't allow seven or eight or even fifteen or sixteen year old children to make these kinds of decisions on their own now At like one of my kids, even though I even have well one who 's eighteen so the eighteen and nineteen year old might be able to accomplish it, but the fifteen year old could not Um, in a pediatrician visit or take herself over to the pediatrician and demand to be put on amoxicillin or a pack, or to change her asthma medication, she couldn't do that on her own without me being there. And even then, you know how it is with doctors and demands for medication, they usually end up saying no because they feel like you're Mm -hmm. coming in with an agenda. Right. But with this, this one instance, this one thing where a child is suffering from a mental illness called gender dysphoria they can go in and against the wishes of their own parents, begin the process of permanently altering their body. Because if they if they take the hormone treatments, and this this is something our pastors actually shown us news videos about this at church. If the child takes these things before the puberty has actually the the rush of hormones of puberty is actually come into effect, then they are permanently freezing themselves in that state. So mm-hmm. as a girl, or you know, as transforming themselves into a boy, and it's something you can't undo. Um, this this is I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing Vice President of AFA Action To call everyone to alert for this Absolutely um, Thank you Rob for joining us today And we're, we will burn those phone lines down we got to do it
5: Amen Thanks Stacey Thank you listeners All right
2: Talk to you again soon uh, Listeners We have that number for you Let me give it to you again It's 202-225-3121 202-225-3121 I will also post it online So you can find it there Call them, tell them where you live, and they'll give you a direct transfer over to your person so you can let them know you're against this. All right. We'll be back with Cassie Smedley after this. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. Tony is analytical like his dad. He'll say, we can do this, and here's how we should go about it. As a result, his plans usually turn out well. We are opposites in a number of ways, but we've learned to respect and navigate our differences.
1: One thing you can do to discover the unique differences between you and your spouse is to talk with their family. As Lauren interacted with my family over the years, she learned more about me. I did the same with her family. This helped me see how Lauren was wired. I realized how special and wonderful she was.
2: And I was able to learn things about Tony that really helped in our uncommon marriage. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com.
0: Tomorrow, Congress will be voting on the Equality Act, legislation that will destroy religious liberty in America. It's urgent you call your congressman. Call the U.S. Capitol, ask for your representative's office, and leave a message urging your representative to vote no. The Equality Act would essentially nationalize Target's dangerous bathroom policy. Call 202-225-3121. That's 202-225-3121. And urge your representative to vote no on the Equality Act. On the cross, Jesus Christ bore every sin for all time.
1: Dr. Tony Evans says when the Lord died in our place, he did more than secure us a home in heaven.
0: The blood of Jesus Christ that saves you for the sweet by and by is here to help you in the nasty here and now.
1: A look at what makes Jesus our Savior, our Lord and more this week on The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans. This is Fox on Justice. The Constitution gives Congress the power to declare war. But what about cyber war? That's something Hamilton, Madison, and the other framers could not have contemplated. But it is something our newest Supreme Court justice is contemplating. Justice Brett Kavanaugh says we owe our allegiance to the Constitution, but new technologies will force the courts and society to re-examine how America would go to war if the war is fought with computers, not traditional armies. Speaking at a judicial forum in Milwaukee, Justice Kavanaugh said free speech and privacy rights will also have to be looked at differently because of tech advances. Kavanaugh appeared with retired Justice Anthony Kennedy, who he replaced on the court. The justice, who went through a bruising confirmation process, was asked about the decline of civility. Kavanaugh said, we're still too overconfident that democracy can survive without conscious effort. But that's not true. With Fox on Justice, Hank Weinblum, Fox News.
0: Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: Welcome back to the program. I'm Stacy Washington. And it's my pleasure to welcome good friend of mine and good friend of the show, Cassie Smedley. She is the RNC National Spokesperson, and she's joining us today because the president made a huge announcement, and I was so glad to hear it. Cassie, thanks for coming on. Hello,
4: hello. Always great to be with you, and I agree. Great afternoon there in the Rose Garden.
2: Okay, so I'm always excited to hear him talk about what is, to me, a super important issue, and that is how we get lawful immigrants into the country people who are bringing skills and um, different different attributes that we need in our country that we appreciate a part of what makes America a great place to be which is you know people who come here who want to be Americans who bring a skill set with them um, for working in an industry or something like that or or the entrepreneurial bent whatever. I know it sounds bad, but the truth is I'm not a fan of people coming from third world countries who are coming here to take advantage of our welfare systems. And right now our immigration system is skewed towards those people uh, to the detriment of those hardworking, well-educated individuals or people who are coming here because, you know, they know they can make it here and do things they can't do in their home country. Um, And so the president is really he, he wants to reorient our entire system in favor of that
4: more desirable group of people. Yes, absolutely. I love that he talked about us being a very compassionate country, but that we have to be fair, not fair to the people who are already here, fair who are trying to come to our country through legal means. And it has to be a fair relationship, a two-way street. Yes, there's great opportunity in America. It's the greatest country the world's ever known. We know that, and we are so fortunate and privileged to be Americans. But the only way that it remains that, is if you ensure that the people in it are all contributing to this great, beautiful idea that makes up our country. And so that's why when he talks about a merit-based immigration system, yes, that's the best and the brightest for whatever field. Some of those are gonna be engineers and doctors and people who are inventing the next great thing. And other of those are going to be even lower skill workers because we don't have enough Americans to fulfill those jobs, whatever the need is of our country. But again, gotta be a two-way street. And I think that is fair. And, Stacey, I think you and I have talked about this before. My favorite, when people say merit-based immigration system, that's mean or that's not fair to people who want to come to our country. Well, do you know those merit-based immigration systems? Democrats' perennial perennial favorite, Canada or Australia Mm -hmm. or Germany. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There it's fair. It is totally fair for them to say, we need 100 doctors this year and so we will admit 100 people here who can be doctors. Or... My favorite is when people like Rosie O'Donnell say, if Donald Trump gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. And everyone says, well, "Why hasn't she moved to Canada? And I'm thinking, well, maybe Canada doesn't need any more actors in their merit-based immigration system. Or, so they or, don't or need Rosie O'Donnell.
2: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Cassie, she's not an actress anymore. She's an, a political pundit. They don't need any well, political pundits there.
4: Too.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're full up. They're right. all full up. You know, they're full up on crazy because she's crazy. They're full up on angry people. And they're full up on people who just want to do... Um, occasional political commentary, and she's rich, so theoretically she could use the kind of underground system uh, that European nations and all nations all over the world. If you have enough money, you can donate something to their country, mm. and they'll give you dual citizenship, or they'll at least give you a visa that is, you know, unlimited. And a lot of rich people, you know, it's kind of, kind of like uh, wealth tourism, where they're they're shopping around mm. for an additional place to have citizenship and. You know, if you're a multi-billionaire or I don't know how many billions she has, but she's pretty rich, she could probably afford to purchase her way in there. But the fact is, if she just went based on their, their system as advertised, Rosie O'Donnell doesn't fit the bill. And a lot of Hollywood types don't. Um, you and I probably could go through their lengthy, rigorous process and become Canadians. But
4: why would we want to do that? Because they're socialists and we love America. Heck yeah. That's what we're into. Yeah right? That's what I'm saying. And the reason that they're not leaving is for as much as they, and let not just Donald Trump, they've always, Hollywood has always hated Republicans and anyone who um, <laughs> stands for capitalism and freedom and free markets. But the reason they don't leave America is because they realize after spending a little bit of time in literally any other country in the world, as beautiful as so many other countries are, there's no place like home. And I think that's why they can't bring themselves to leave. And that's, worth fighting for and defending and making sure that we have laws that work for Americans and work for people who want to come here and contribute to our country legally and hopefully become Americans themselves. That's fair. I don't understand why that is such a crazy thing for the president to talk about. It seems that it's only because it's Donald Trump talking about it um, and doing something about it that they don't like it. But many of these Democrats in Congress have supported these very things that he's talking about in the past. It's just all different now because it's Donald Trump. and They don't want to deliver him a win. They would rather uh maintain the status quo that hasn't been working. Go ahead. You're
2: right. No, you're totally right, Cassie. And uh, that to me is pretty disappointing because it's not just – it's not like illegal alien crime only impacts, um, you know, Republican families or it's only Republicans Mm -hmm. are being kidnapped, tortured, raped, decapitated, etc. And – I know out of the multiple tens of millions of illegal aliens that are in this country, they're not all criminals. But there are enough of them that are criminals that make this entire situation it's a no-go. It has to be rectified. So what what does it look like? I, I loved his presentation, what I was able to catch before I started broadcasting here. But Cassie, what are what he was talking to Lindsey Graham who was in, in the Rose Garden and mm-hmm. I think one other person, uh a Republican what are our chances of him? Yeah, yeah, Steve Scalise, right. who's fantastic on immigration. What are our chances to get this done?
4: Well, the good news is, is when you've got the president of the United States and influential people in Congress all talking about it and making it a priority issue, it makes you feel optimistic that it's, it's going to happen. And we know that while the bill that Lindsey Graham introduced uh, is a little bit it's the same overall goal and premise as the president's um, proposal that he outlined today, but he's got a few more details in there that I think he thinks could bring some more, some Democrats onto it. Um, So, if I know anything about the legislative branch, I know that they really like their legislating, and so I think that that's, we're more likely to see something from, that's been introduced by Lindsey Graham or Steve Scalise, uh, that it's actually going to try and make its way through Congress. But now what I love about President Trump on this issue and so many others is that he is not afraid to go out and say, this is what I want. If you're going to bring me anything, it has to at least do this. So Congress isn't going to go through all their work to get something done just to have the president say, no, that's not what I want. They know. They know what the president will sign. And that's what today was really about, is to say, I've outlined all the things that are priorities to me. It's not to say that I'm not open to something else that might be in your bill, but it has to at least include this. This has to be the overall goal. And on that, what it appears we saw today is that they are on the same page, which is good news for finally getting something done. And any Democrat, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, there are 30 Democrats who are in districts, that Donald Trump won in 2016. And those folks have to run for re-election in 2020. And they didn't run for election win because they said they were going to stand against Donald Trump and stand against any progress. They ran for election because they said, I'll be a moderate. I'll be someone, a pragmatic mm-hmm. person who can work with the president. And that's what the American people want to see. So I would hope that we can pick off some of those folks because at a minimum, they would like to keep their jobs, I think. and. Uh, From a non-political purpose, this is really good for our country. So if they're really there to do what's best for our country, they should be the first ones to sit at the table and work with their colleagues and ultimately President Trump to get this done finally.
2: You know, you make a good point there. I forgot about the swing It's because they were the ones who the suburban women were credited with sending a bunch of them to Congress, but they were saying, we want someone who's moderate. We want someone who's not so bombastic. And some of these suburban women, through the, with the help of online social media and Facebook, were kind of convinced that the president wasn't on the right track. I, I tend to think, Cassie, and I, I am a bit more of an optimist, um, I tend to think that people who voted... Kind of been a little bit of a protest vote in the midterm, are now seeing what a mistake that was. Not only has the president been exonerated with the Mueller report, but there's been this huge. Uh, groundswell of support for him because of his uh, economic—it's just been a powerhouse. It's been so good for America, and so overall, his his ratings, his polls, poll numbers are up. His mm-hmm. um his his perception among Americans has actually bounced back because he was exonerated, and so it, it it is a prime time for him to bring this back up and see if we can get those. They're basically swing state people. Um, they're right. they're from Trump districts, and they really need to preserve their ability to be reelected. And doing something about immigration would give them something to run on.
4: That's absolutely right. Because right now, every time President Trump takes to Twitter, it takes to the rally stage and eventually the debate stage and out in folks' backyards, he's saying, look at all the ways I've fought for you. Look at all of what we've accomplished because you gave me a chance in 2016. And I want to keep doing that for you. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, virtually every single Democrat from, yes, the 2020 presidential contenders to those in Congress who are going to be on the ballot in 2020, they're all having to answer for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie (laughs) Sanders and Rashida Tlaib and all these people who have totally overtaken the Democrats' narrative with these super extreme, big government, liberal, and in some cases with anti-Semitism rhetoric, kind of jarringly terrifying rhetoric on the left. It, their conversation is not about how have we fought for the American people and what have we accomplished for the American people. That's Donald Trump's line. The mm-hmm. Democrats, it's just all about fighting and investigating and it's very negative and none of it helps everyday Americans' lives. And mm-hmm. so that's something that going back to those people in these swing districts, they've got a big mountain to overcome there because Every single time they show up to go somewhere, they're having to answer questions about the latest thing Rashida Tlaib said or Ilhan Omar or Bernie Sanders. And that's – if I'm on a ballot, that doesn't give me much confidence at night because that doesn't get you voters. That doesn't get you support like President mm-hmm. Trump has.
2: No, it doesn't. And you you've, – again, you've brought up something that I think we've kind of – I've gotten almost – it's like getting hit with you know something over and over again. You're you get a callus in that spot, and you're like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. feel that anymore. With these three, Tlaib, AOC, and Omar, I'm kind of just I'm calloused over with them. Like I I know they're going to say anti-Semitic, anti-American things all the time. One of them's going to rant and rave about socialism and hang out with Bernie Sanders, and so I just got them on auto ignore. But most Americans are continually shocked by. These women are outrageous and they are really the face of the Democrats right now. Nancy Pelosi can't even get any airtime because of these three. She doesn't even remember how powerful she was in her red jacket with her shades on leaving the the portico of the White House. That was like a moment that lived on forever on Twitter. And then after that, she was making comments and everything. It was like she was rising to rock star status as the only woman to ever have been elected Mm -hmm. speaker of the House twice. And then Tlaib and Omar and AOC show up, and we haven't heard Jack Ola about the jacket or the glasses or her rock star status. It's like she can't get
4: a a bit of air in edgewise. That's right. Anytime she's talking, it's in response to those three, and she's giving them cover. And, again, those three in particular represent districts, and I think specifically AOC, but I think this applies to the other two as well, that, um, that don't look like a lot of other places in our country. You know, they've got really safe districts where they can go off and say crazy liberal things and get away with it and probably get reelected. That's not the same for a lot of their colleagues. So it's hurting their cause. But I would also say it's frightening to me. You know, most folks don't sit here and watch four TV screens at one time with every news channel on. We're help- have another, you know, doing other things in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so when people do see politicians, they see Donald Trump. And then they see these three on the cover of Vogue or Vanity Fair or Time or what have you. So they get a pretty glossy picture painted for them by the MSM in Hollywood. And that's troubling because when you really do take the time to listen to them or read what they've put out there, you think, well, gosh, that's, you know, going back to how our conversation started, that's not the America I know and love. And those policy ideas. Don't help us keep this America that we know and love. And the problem is there aren't enough opportunities for people to see and and hear that stark truth about their policy proposals. There's too much of the glossiness uh, instead, and that's that's something that I have real issue with.
2: Well, you and uh, just tens of millions of other Americans, when you mention you know time and and Vogue and those magazines, these are magazines that I remember being thirteen. And coming back to the mm-hmm. States from Germany, and my aunt would have the Vogue magazine. She loved those. And so she it was huge. Back then, it was so big, you really needed to sit at a table or on the floor to read it.
4: And mm-hmm. I would flip
2: through it, and I'd spend hours reading it, not just looking at the pictures and the ads, but reading the articles about fashion Vogue now, Mm -hmm. glamour now, they're they're nothing but, you know, they're almost like pornographic rags. Everything inside of them is foul and filthy and vulgar and it's full of profanity and it's not something that a 13-year-old girl can sit and think one day, you know, I want to wear a dress like that or, you know, one day I want to travel to the place where this photo shoot is. That has been lost and so many Americans, you see someone on the cover of one of those magazines and it's just cements in your mind that that person's no good because the magazine they're on the front of is no good. Um, I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that you could come on and recap this for us and I'm just hopeful that the president can get the It's not just him. It's the people in Congress that need to get this work done. He's done everything he can on this issue. He needs legislation. And we've got to get um, the, whatever they call it, whipping votes, smacking votes, pushing people around, whatever they have to do to get something on the president's desk so we can fix this problem. Cassie Smedley, RNC National Amen. Spokesperson. Happy weekend, girlfriend. Hey, hey! Thanks, to, thanks to you too. Always good to talk to you. <laughs> All right, talk to you again soon. Um, we, I hear the music. So let me see. What can I say? God bless from the Heartland. Thanks for making your home at American Family Radio. Uh, and also, I'm Stacy Washington, and this is Stacy on the right. <laughs>